Hello and welcome to Smash Hit Sports. I'm your host, Cody. Today we have Carl on from the Jimmer Range podcast, which is everywhere you can find your podcasts. I listen to him on Spotify, but they also have an awesome TikTok account at Jimmer Range Pod. Welcome, Carl. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, Cody. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. This is uh, the best time of year. Looking forward to talking some March Madness. Look, there is not much better than conference tournament week heading into Selection Sunday, and then you get the first round of games. We get basketball on tomorrow with the with the opening games. I don't there there aren't any that I'm in love with, but um, we'll see how it goes. Have you died like how far have you dove into this bracket? Have you filled it out like three or four times already? Like what's what level of into this bracket are you right now? So I I'm a I'm a classic like overthinker when it comes to the bracket. So usually I don't have my bracket finalized right up until like the last possible second. So there's some people who who just like crank right through it. They're three or four brackets in in the first like five hours. I am I'm not that way. <laughs> yeah, the the worst thing is like I have my bracket filled out, which is my initial like all right, it's filled out, it's done. And then I'll fill out probably like six more between now and Thursday. And I will never remember which one is like my, I'll go into like, cause you're in like a hundred different bracket challenges and you're checking to looking to see what you're in. I can't remember what I posted for what. And somebody's like, Oh, you, you picked this upset. And I was like, shit, I did sweet. But <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, that being said, the regions look awesome. Some I think are definitely a little bit more stacked than others. What are your like what in your mind is the best region? What are you most excited to watch? In my mind the best region is is pretty easy. I think it's the West region, um headlined by Kansas as the number 1 seed, defending national champions. They got a really tough draw. Um I was just in the middle of recording a video about this region and it's Kansas. They have a very tough draw in the second round with a a talented Arkansas team or a talented Illinois team. Then the rest of this region you got UConn, St. Mary's, Gonzaga, UCLA, all those teams are in the top 15 on Ken Palm. This is a very, very brutal region, um, and any team that gets out of it absolutely deserves it. Yeah, I think they definitely did not get the most appetizing draw. And one thing that, like, there's a lot of uh, different play styles. Like, St. Mary's and VCU is going to be a grinded-out type of game. Um, Arkansas and Illinois is going to be a fun one to watch. I'm really excited. Um, I think... My fa- the South might be from a fun standpoint, like Virginia and Furman could be a fun game. Uh, Missouri and Utah State might be one of my favorite games in the round of 64. Um, so I'll go with the South as my favorite. But um, obviously, March Madness, it's, it's in the name, the chaos. What region do you think is going to have the most chaos, the most upsets, the hardest to predict? I think it. I think it'll more than likely be the South region, um, and that's the the region headlined by Alabama. Because I think other than Alabama, there's uh, there's quite a few teams that are really prone to an upset. I think, and some really good mid majors. So I mean, you mentioned um, the you know the Virginia Furman game. You got San Diego State and Charleston. That's you know not an easy draw for San Diego State at all. NC State could be pretty upset minded with their backcourt uh, going up against Creighton. UCSB at that 14 seed, they're no joke either. Um, Utah State's got a very good offense sitting down there at the 10 seed. So I could definitely see this South region devolving into absolute chaos. <laughs> I love it. I like just thinking about a team's heart, like 
national championship hopes getting absolutely decimated by a school that they have no idea what the mascot is brings me joy <laughs> each and every year. Um, let's let's start with the South region. We'll break it down. Um, I don't think Alabama will have any strong like. Do you, let's talk that playing game. Do you think it'll be Corpus Christi or Southeast Missouri State? I, w- I would take Corpus Christi. I think the Islanders are uh, a pretty good team. And Southeast Missouri went on they went on a great run through the OVC tournament. Um, upset, I think it was Moorhead State on the way uh, to that championship game. So, I mean, they're, they're playing really well right now. Um, but overall, I just like I like Corpus Christi. This is a, a group that has guys that were here last year. Um, and so, so I like the Islanders to get that win. I like the Islanders jerseys as well. They have a, they have a good matchup. Oh, um, yeah, they're clean. Yeah, they're clean. I, I think I want to know your thoughts on this game because you are a Maryland fan, if I am not mistaken. It's true. Maryland, yeah. West Virginia, Bob Huggins, the, the Huggy Bear. And Maryland has played some damn good basketball this season. What do you think of this 8-9 matchup? Uh, this is, I think, a really brutal draw for Maryland, um, if I'm being honest. I think West Virginia is a pretty underrated team coming into this tournament. They kind of got you know knocked around a little bit in a Big 12 that features some of the best teams in the country. But they're able to hold their own somewhat. Um, you know, the, the analytics like West Virginia were playing, you know, an underrated Big 12 team with an all-time great head coach is not exactly what I was hoping for as a Maryland fan. And then assuming we get over that game, then we get to play an Alabama team, um, which is a program that absolutely boat raced us a couple years ago in the second round. So not really looking forward to either one of these games. But Maryland does play. It's the very first game of the round of 64 on Thursday at uh, 12.15 Eastern time. So... I will be uh, I will be watching right along with hopefully a lot of the country with that one. Your day could be made very early, or it could, your tournament could be sad pretty quick. That's very that's true. a tough one. Yeah, to very be. true. As a Notre Dame fan, I am just excited for good basketball because didn't get to watch a ton of it this year. Um, shout out Mike Bray though, one of my. Uh, I mean, I'm biased. One of the one of the best coaches in college basketball. But yeah, he's a legend. Um, he's a legend. San Diego State Charleston, do you think that 12 fives have been crazy the last couple of years? We have been, you know, I think it, it's almost like a 50 50 split, even. Do you think this we have a chance for an upset here? Because these are two like totally opposite how these teams play basketball. Yeah, I, I understand where people are coming from looking at this as, you know, College of Charleston onto the next round for sure, because Pat Kelsey's team, they were an absolute wagon in the Colonial. They won 31 games this year, um, whereas, you know, South or San Diego State coming from the Mountain West, like the Mountain West really hasn't performed that well in the tournament in recent years. I think they're 0-8 oh, over the last yeah, it's, two or three years. I think they're like 1-14 in their last 15 or something like that. It's insane. Yeah, so the reputation of the conference definitely isn't doing San Diego State very many favors. Um, and College of Charleston definitely is a very difficult team to play with their pace, with uh, just the offense that they're putting out there. I don't totally see it, though, with this game. I think it is kind of a tough game for College of Charleston just because San Diego State's defense is really good. Um, they, you know, for as good as College of Charleston's record is. They didn't really have any big wins that indicate they're they're really ready for tournament level competition. Like they're the probably the best team they played all year was a North Carolina team that didn't even make the tournament and they lost that game by sixteen. So 
they did they did manage to beat Kent State. You know, Kent State's a very solid team over on the other side of the bracket. Um, but as far as like strength of schedule goes, College of Charleston is is a little weak on that end. So I'm looking forward to see how they hang with San Diego State, though. Um, the other game that I I really was interested in on this side of the bracket is Creighton and NC State. I I was kind of surprised that NC State made the tournament. Um, I thought that Clemson would get in over them considering Clemson beat them head-to-head three times, including most recently in the ACC tournament. Um, but it, I, guess, I guess the committee really hated that ugly loss Clemson had to Louisville. Um, do you think, like, what do you think of the Creighton and the Big East as a whole? Kind of a weird conference this year. Yeah, so I guess, I mean, to your point about NC State and, and Clemson, like, I think those Clemson blew out NC State every single time they played them, which was kind of the best thing they really did all year. Their strength of schedule was pretty poor. Um, They had the loss to uh, Louisville, as you mentioned, but they also lost to South Carolina. They lost to Loyola Chicago. So they had some really tough losses that really dragged down their resume and I think kept them out of the tournament ultimately. Um, This NC State backcourt, really good. Jarkel Joyner, Terquavian Smith, like if those guys go off, we could see NC State go on a run. Um... But, you know, you asked the question about Creighton and the Big East. I think the Big East is at least the upper, you know, echelon of the conference is really strong this year. I think those top four, we saw them in the Big East tournament uh, semifinal games. It was um, it was Creighton, it was Xavier, it was Marquette, and it was UConn. And the, I think those four teams are all good enough to go to the Final Four this year. Wow. That is yeah. a, that's a bold statement. I don't, like, I don't think you're incorrect. They all have good coaching, like which is a staple of these biggies teams that do end up making a run. I, I don't hate that one bit. I would, that would be a, just an absolutely uh, wild to, to at least see like all of those teams make it to the sweet 16 or elite eight would be crazy. But um, are there any other games in the South where you, where you were just salivating to watch? I think a really underrated game in the South region is uh, Mizzou and Utah state. Just because these teams, it's such a fun matchup in terms of their offense. This is two of the most efficient offenses in the country. I think we're going to see a lot of points scored in this one. Um, Missouri under Dennis Gates has been a really fun surprise this year. They've got guys on that team. Demoy Hodge has been really good lately. Um, and Utah State, is they've got a pretty underrated team, I think, coming out of the Mountain West. One of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Um, managed to upset Boise State in uh, the Mountain West semifinals to go to the championship game. So I'm looking forward to that one just to see some fun basketball. Yeah. I, I love points. Um, <laughs> I fall into the trap of betting on entirely too many overs in the tournament and it gets me every year, but damn it. Points are fun. And I like yeah. rooting for points. Yeah. Um, I'll definitely be tuned into that one, but you can never really be out when you, when you take the over, you know, thank exactly. <laughs> exactly. See, this is why we get along. Yeah. Um, let's go down to the East Purdue. I live in Indiana. This is my home state. I think Purdue's kind of fraudulent. I, they, they, like, I see the one next to Purdue's name and I just bad things just in my dreams and my nightmares. I just see bad things happening to Purdue. Am I wrong? I don't think you're necessarily wrong. Calling Purdue fraudulent is maybe a little bit far, but I do definitely okay. see where, where you're getting that. Like, To be fair, they've had a really good year this year. Won the Big Ten regular season, won the Big Ten tournament. Their Big Ten tournament run, I think, if you wanted to call something fraudulent, that was maybe a little bit fraudulent. They didn't really have to play anybody. Um, 
but I mean, Zach Eady probably going to win National Player of the Year, right? Um, yep. But you look at who they get in the second round, either Memphis or Florida Atlantic, and those are two teams that I That's hate tough. from a matchup standpoint if I'm Purdue. Yeah, I Memphis just scares me, with, and they have a, a bit of experience there. Like, it's it's not going to be easy, and then they could potentially in the Sweet 16 end up with Duke, like the, who had the number one recruiting class coming into this season. So definitely, a, uh, I think out of all of the one seeds – I think Purdue probably got the most difficult draw, at least to start. Yeah. Um, speaking of Duke, they're they're a major like I look. I'm not going to be in the one of predicting like final four. I think they're going to the final four. I think they're going to go to the final four, and then Coach K is going to come out of the woodwork and be like, "Yeah, I recruited these guys. This is my <laughs> team. I should get a ring." Um, <laughs> but. He just won't go away, man. Now he's in the commercials with Aflac. I can't, I can't keep doing this. Yep. That being said, I think Duke's pretty good. I think they're so damn good. Yeah, they're uh, they're definitely starting to hit their stride right now. They're starting to play up to their talent level, which definitely couldn't be said for a lot of this season. Um, I mean, towards the beginning of the season, it was Kyle Filipowski and Ryan Young just pulling down offensive rebounds, kicking it out to Tyrese Proctor, who misses an open three. Like that was kind of the entire game. Um, for a while, I think their biggest limitation was that Filipowski was, at the same time, their best perimeter threat and their best interior threat, and he can't do all of those things at once. So um, now they have guys who are really starting to round into form. They have Derek Whitehead, who's playing pretty well coming back from injury. Um, and, you know, they go on this run. They've won like eight or nine straight games, win the ACC tournament. They, they're playing really well right now. And I think John Shire has really impressed with what he can do from an X's and O's standpoint. I think that was a big question people had. I think he's proven people wrong. Yeah, and obviously when you step down from a Hall of Fame head coach, like maybe the greatest head coach of all time, people are going to have questions. And I think he answered a lot of them this year. I, I really do. Like obviously five isn't you know the seed that they wanted heading into the year, but – um, I, I think he did a, a damn good job. Um, Tennessee at four, Rick Barnes in the tournament. It, are, are we like immediately like, well, well, they had a good season. See you next year. Like, how do how do we feel about Tennessee? I think recent events have kind of put me in that camp for Tennessee because, you know, there, there's definitely there's always potential with how talented Tennessee has been in, in previous years to get to the second weekend. They just haven't haven't really done it, right? And so mm -hmm. I think Rick Barnes gets maybe a deserved amount of flack for that because he's had a good amount of talent come through the program and they just haven't really gotten over the hump. Um, entering the tournament, though, losing Zakai Ziegler is, I think, just a death blow for this Tennessee team. Yeah. He's really the engine of that offense. Um, and they they are, they are lock up on the defensive end. Like that, that much can certainly be said. That's a staple of a Rick Barnes team. But they had offensive struggles even with Zakai Ziegler. And so now losing him to a season-ending injury, I think that that really hurts them moving forward. I think we saw it against Missouri in the SEC tournament, which was kind of the first team they played with a pulse after losing Zakai Ziegler, and, and they lost. So um, I, I kind of struggle with seeing the path to Tennessee making a run in this tournament without him. Yeah, and the, the thing that I always try to look for with teams that I believe can make a run is like at, at some point during these games, you're going to come into a stretch where it's really tough to get a bucket. And do you have a guy that you can go to in order to get one? And with Zakai Ziegler being out, I don't know if they do. And that's, I, I think that's going to be kind of what holds them up. Um, but, but looking at the rest 
of the East. The the bottom seeds is where I think it's really interesting because you have Kansas State, who's been a little bit of up and down this year. Uh, Marquette, who's a, a big surprise, but Shaka Smart is no, you know, by no means um, a rookie when it comes to making a run in March. And then you have Kentucky and Cal. What do you think happens with this bottom portion of the East? Yeah, I think Marquette got a pretty favorable draw, honestly. They're playing really well as of late. Um, I mean, Shaka Smart, to your point, probably not a rookie when it comes to making a run, but he, he definitely hasn't He hasn't won a tournament game since VCU. So he didn't really get anything done He didn't uh, win a single Texas. tournament game at Texas? No, never won a tournament Holy game at Texas. They lost to Abilene Christian um, last year, his first year at Marquette. They were in the 8-9 game. Supposed to be a pretty tough game, you know, pretty even according to the seed lines. They lost by 30. So... Uh, we'll see, like, if this is the year that, that, you know, Shaka Smart's team finally breaks through and, and gets to that second weekend, because we haven't really seen it in a while, but Tyler Kolick is a dog. He is playing, like, one of the best guards in the country, um, been really impressed with how this Marquette team has, has played so far, and getting through, winning their first Big East tournament in program history, it's a big step forward, um, so, so I like this Marquette team. As far as the rest of, kind of, this bottom half, the Kentucky-Providence game is is fun. I don't really know that I foresee either one of those teams doing anything significant. I think Sister Jean would probably tell you differently. She has Kentucky winning the tournament <laughs> before the bracket even came out. So um, for whatever that's worth. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know. That was just somebody asked her, who do you, who do you think's winning the tournament? Like a couple weeks ago, and she's like, I, I, I think Kentucky. I don't know. Fair Sister enough, Jean, Sister Jean does got. not know ball. Does not know ball. Uh <laughs> Kansas State, I don't think should have too much trouble with Montana State. Um, Michigan State-USC is like a fun game. These are, you know, USC has good guard play with Boogie Ellis and Drew Peterson. Michigan State has veterans, but I don't think this is like a team that's necessarily built to go on a run in the tournament. Um, obviously, you can never count out Tom Izzo, but... I was going to um, say, counterpoint, January, February, Izzo, like... It's true. I mean, some of those best... Izzo teams, though, they had a guy like a Cassius Winston or, you know, yep. Denzel Valentine. This team doesn't really have one of those guys. It's kind of a lot of it's a lot of high-level role players, in my opinion, which was kind of the problem they had last year. But, um, you know, Tom Izzo, excellent X's and O's guy. Like, he, he's done this. You know, I think on average he goes to the Final Four like every four or five years or something like that. So um, we're kind of getting up on that time. So maybe it is it is a good time for Michigan State to go on a run. But I think Marquette got a pretty favorable draw, all things considered. Yeah, yeah, it should be should be an interesting. Um, I'm gonna have a hard time picking those games for sure. Um, looking at the the, uh, the Midwest, right? This is there's a lot in this region. There's a lot going on. Um, Houston at one. I had typed up in the show sheet before this. Is Houston the best team in the country? And then they lost to Memphis. And now I don't know how I'm gonna phrase this question. So I, I'll phrase it this way. Do we think this is like team of destiny? The final four is in Houston. This is Jim Nance's last year covering the final four. He is a Houston alumni. Can Houston be the team of destiny that all these sports writers want them to be? I think if you, if you had to pick a team of destiny, I think Houston is definitely a, a good pick for all the reasons you mentioned. Plus they just, the things you look for, that that strongly correlate with success in tournament play is you know veteran guard play good defense and they have both of those things um 
I haven't I haven't seen an official kind of report on what Marcus Sasser's status is, so that may change things a little bit for them. Um, and obviously, losing the their final AAC championship game before they make the jump to the Big Twelve definitely doesn't leave a great taste in your mouth. But this Houston team is good. This Houston team is is really good. Definitely deserving of a one seed. So. Um, if you had to pick a team of destiny, I'd say that they're they're a pretty good pick. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, from what I've seen, it seems like the Miami Drake game is a really popular uh, 12-5 upset pick, and there are a couple every year. Miami was the ACC regular season champs, but in a down yeah i let's let's be honest it's a down year for the acc yeah how much stock do you take in into this miami team are they on upset watch i think they got they have a tough draw like this drake team is good they have tucker devries who's one of i think he's a great player but probably one of the lesser known like great players in the country just because of where he plays um miami last year we saw them go on a run with strong guard play you know they they had Isaiah Wong, um, they had, I mean, the second guy's name, uh, Cam, shoot, his name's escaping me completely, but um, it'll, come back, it'll, it'll come back to me, it'll come back to me. Um, but, I mean, they have that again, they have Isaiah Wong back, they have Nigel Pack, who's, who's a great player for them. Um, they did just lose a pretty major piece, not not lose, but uh, Norchad Omir went down with an injury, he's like the big presence in that front court, so um, not that he's like necess- he's like a super... He's a, he's a good piece for them. I don't know that losing him will hold them back from winning a couple games. Um, but, yeah, Miami got Miami got a little bit of a tough draw with this Drake team, but I think they, they definitely have the they have all the things that made them uh, an Elite Eight team last year, so I don't see why they couldn't do it again. Love that. Um, that look, we got to talk about the Hoosiers uh, being, you know, from the state of Indiana, in the state of Indiana. Um, I got to pull for pull for the pinstripes but can do you like one shining moment trace jackson davis cutting down the net holding the trophy can we see it or is that out of the realm of possibility for the hoosiers yeah so <laughs> that's a good question uh, real quick so cam mcgusty he was the miami guard that I was, I was forgetting so i got it but um yeah when you do the confetti test on this indiana team you close your eyes you picture the confetti falling you picture who's holding the trophy I'm going to be honest, I don't see Indiana as a team that can do that as of right now. A lot of people have labeled me an Indiana hater this year. It's just not, that's just not true. I just haven't bought the hype. Um, they, I mean, I'm in the middle of one of my drafts on TikTok right now is five teams that I think got a really tough draw from the selection committee. I think Indiana is one of those teams, to be completely honest. Like Kent State, this is a team that took both Gonzaga and Houston to single digits this year. Yeah. Um, really good team coming out of the MAC, which is a conference that has produced, you know, these teams that pull upsets in the past. Um, then you run into one of Miami or Drake after that. Then you have probably Houston after that. And like, there's really no point at which this Indiana team gets a break. You know, I think there are some teams in the first round that they can get away with maybe sleepwalking through that first round game a little bit, just because of the talent gap. But Indiana is not one of those teams. I think they have a, a pretty tough road. And when you when you talk about Trace Jackson Davis, he's playing like one of the best players in the country this year. But I think he's been putting up numbers for years, right? Like that's been kind of a given yep. since he's been at Indiana. And they haven't they haven't done anything. The only thing they they haven't won a Big Ten regular season with him. They haven't won a Big Ten tournament with him. They won a first four game last year against Wyoming and then got blown out by St. Mary's. Um, so they need somebody else. I think Jalen Huchifino is that X factor. 
Um, but he's been pretty up and down this year. Like I think yep. the way he plays is is pretty closely tied to how you know the results that Indiana is getting. If if they lose a game, chances are it's one of the games where he went two for fifteen from the field and scored four points. Um, but when he's on, he's very dangerous. He's been a good closer this year for them in, in some of their games. So he he's the X factor for Indiana making a run in this tournament. Well, that's not exactly what I wanted to hear, but at least <laughs> at least I know we got a little bit of a shot, you know. Um, uh, looking at the bottom portion of the Midwest, I am in love with some of the, like Xavier has Sule boom, uh, Penn state and Texas A&M can both put points up. Texas has been great all year. A lot of offense down here in this, in the Midwest bottom here. Um, what are your, what's your favorite game in this matchup? Cause I don't think, I think Kennesaw state is one of the better stories of the tournament Go, having one win I think it was, what, 2019 or 2020, they had one win. Um, making the tournament now um, is a really, really cool story. What are you most excited to watch here out of this bottom portion of the Midwest? That uh, that Texas A&M-Penn State game should be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of really good backcourt play in that game. Texas A&M, in my opinion, got a little bit underseeded as a seven. This is a team that only lost three games in the SEC um, that, that went on a run to the SEC championship game. Um, Penn State. This is another. This is a team that's that's playing some of their best basketball of the season right now. Jalen Pickett's been great. They have plenty of shooters, guys who can knock down threes from you know at any point along the arc. Um, and so that should be that should be a really fun game, just because we've seen Penn State went on a run to their conference championship yep. game as well. So they're definitely going to be a popular sleeper pick for teams with the combination of Jalen Pickett and the shooting that they have. Um, but Texas A&M is a team that like can I think hang with hang with Texas uh, with, you know, the backcourt play that they have. So um, either one of these teams, I would give a decent, a decent chance to go on a run, not saying that it'll for sure happen because Texas is a buzzsaw right now, but uh, those are two good teams and I'm looking forward to seeing a matchup. Yeah. I would love to see a Texas A&M Texas matchup. And I think like, uh, obviously this is just conspiracy theory me, but I think the committee wanted that a little bit, you know, they're like, Hey, let's, let's see if we can't get Texas, Texas A&M old big 12 rivalry. See if we can't get the, uh, the blood flow in there. Um, should be, you know, could be a potentially great matchup, but, um, looking at the West, you, you said this is the most stacked, um, region. I would have to agree. Can Kansas repeat? Is it within the realm of possibility? Do we, like, obviously, the uh, health concerns with Bill Self are, you know, the, praying for him. Hopefully, you know, he can make a recovery and make it back for the tournament. But there's a lot of question marks about Kansas right now. Do you think they could still make a run? I think they definitely still can make a run. And, and as I kind of said earlier, if they get out of this region, they absolutely deserve it. This is already one of the most battle-tested teams in the country. They finished with whatever it was, 17 quad one wins, which is, I don't know if that's like the record. I don't know if that's the record for quad one wins, but it feels like it. Like you, you hear 17 quad one wins. You're like, who has ever done that? (laughs) Um, you know, they have, Dewan Harris is a, is a really solid guard for them. Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick have been doing their thing all season. Um, and it's crazy that Kansas is even in this position. They lost seven of their eight top scorers from a national championship team. I don't care what program you are. If you lose like that type of talent, from your roster, chances are you're in for some regression, but Kansas is like right back at the top, you know, where, where they traditionally have been under Bill Self. 
and you know he he's cleared to come back it looks like to coach and even <laughs> but even without him they had no problem handling West Virginia and Iowa State and then um, they did end up losing to Texas in the Big 12 championship but this is a team that like not that they run themselves but that just the way that they've been playing all year I think you know gives them a good chance to to make a run again yeah the the Kansas machine I mean death taxes Kansas winning the Big 12 regular <laughs> season like it it just it yeah, I I kind of disagree. I think you can say it runs it runs itself. Um, a, a team that's if you would have told me that Arkansas was going to be an eight seed this year, I would have laughed at you. I was like, "There's no way." Musbus is a great coach, but here they are. Injuries kind of derailed them, but they never. It still seems like they haven't put all the pieces together. What's up with this Arkansas team? Yeah, I think this eight nine matchup is pretty funny because it's two teams that you can like pretty consistently throughout the season say what in the world is going on with this team Arkansas and Illinois are both really talented teams I was I mean I think before the season started I would have said both of them had like just on paper the talent of a team that could reach the elite eight or the final four Um, and neither really delivered on that at at any point during the season Um, Arkansas they looked really good in Maui that was a that was a really good Maui invitational field that they you know, they played really well in, but they they lose Trevon Brazil, who was a really important scorer for them. Nick Smith was hurt for a lot of the year, so he's had to get back up to speed. Um, they kind of had to shuffle guys in and out because of injuries. And um, it is, it's a really talented team, and obviously you trust Eric Musselman to, to do his thing in the tournament at this point because he's done it the last two tournaments. But um, this is like probably a, a bigger proving ground than he, he will have ever had at Arkansas. Um, so... I don't really know, you know, Arkansas has been really inconsistent. They entered the SEC tournament having lost, like, two of their, or having lost, like, six of their last eight games or something like that. Like, they're not, traditionally we've seen, like, these Eric Musselman teams kind of hit their stride towards tournament time, and this one, this one didn't really do that, (laughs) which has me a little bit concerned. But um, do they have the talent of a team that can beat Kansas? Uh, Yeah, absolutely they do. All right, we have to talk about the UConn-Iona game. Dan Hurley, Rick Pitino, an awesome coaching matchup. Gun to your head, who gets a technical foul first? Oh, uh, probably probably Dan Hurley. I'd say Dan Hurley gets the tech first. <laughs> I I would pay like good money to just like if you could put a microphone on the ref just to hear what those two coaches are saying to them because it's it's got to be absolutely hilarious. I would love to listen to that feed. Yeah, I'd love a mic'd up, you know, version of the broadcast that gives us both Dan Hurley and Rick Pitino just the whole time. Um, yeah, which like zoomed zoomed out from the like... broadcast angle, so like we still watch the game as you normally would, but instead of like the commentators, we're just listening to these coaches like scream the whole time. Yeah, you you definitely have to put that on like HBO or like a paid <laughs> paid service. You could not put that on ESPN. I don't I don't think they would get away with it. Yeah, probably not. Um, let. Gonzaga at three is really interesting because all the hype was around Gonzaga last year. And I, I get it because oh, who's the big man they had last year. Can't remember his name. Got Chet Holmgren. By, uh, yeah. Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren. Right. That was all the talk. And Drew Timmy comes back. He is now officially the Perry Ellis of Gonzaga. <laughs> He's never going to leave. He's still doing the mustache thing. Why have we not heard much about Gonzaga this year? Because I think they're still a very, very good team. Like Mark Few is still a very, very good coach. 
Yeah, they, Gonzaga is once again a very good team. It's just they they weren't like that one seed level of Gonzaga that we've seen the last couple of years. They didn't they don't really have like the you know the blue chip five star recruit coming in like they have with you know Jalen Suggs or Chet Holmgren. Um, and they didn't they didn't run the table like they struggled a little bit in WCC play, which is something that we haven't really seen. So I don't I don't think this is the best Gonzaga team that we've seen in the last couple of years. I think the one that almost completed an undefeated season was probably their best chance at winning a title um, in the last five seasons. That team was very, very good. You had Corey Kispert on that team, you know, yeah. knockdown shooter. Drew Timmy was there. Um, that was a really good team. This Gonzaga team, though, over the past month has been, according to Torvik, which is a, another college basketball analytics site, you can kind of filter by the dates, so see like how, how teams are playing from a certain point onwards. Since February 1st, Gonzaga rates as the best team in the country. Um, they have an offense right now that wow. is scoring, scoring 133 points per 100 possessions or something absurd like that. Um, they've That's just been insane. on another level offensively and have really hit their stride. They've won 10 of their last 11 games. They obliterated St. Mary's in the WCC championship game after losing to them earlier in the season. Um, so they're playing their best basketball at the right time. My one concern with them is kind of the defense, if that's something that's going to hold up. It looked good against St. Mary's, but it hasn't really been there consistently. So I think they have you know a pretty a pretty solid draw to make something happen here. Um, that offense I think can can carry them far, but as of right now, I'm not quite sure if I see the defense holding up long enough for them to really be a, a national title contender this year. Yeah, and I I think they have a chance to match up with UCLA in the Sweet 16 and. UCLA, if you'd have asked me prior to the Jalen Clark injury, I would have said UCLA is my fit. Like, I was so high on UCLA all year. I was like, they are a top four team. They are damn good. They are going to make a run. And then Jalen Clark gets hurt in an already pretty thin front court. And now Adam Bonas, it, her, I don't know if, I think he might be ready by the second weekend, but. Mm-hmm. Still, those injuries are tough. What do you see as the ceiling of this UCLA team now that they're missing some of that front court? I still think the ceiling for this UCLA team is, I think it's probably a Final Four. Like, I can still I can still see this UCLA team getting there just because they have the veterans. They have Tiger Campbell, Jaime Jaquez. Um, I mean, the thing that really hurts with these injuries, like, there are some teams that, that take injuries and they just you know, it's next guy up. This this UCLA team isn't particularly deep. If you look, if you watch a UCLA game, if you, you know, look at their box scores, their their stat pages, they've really only played six guys this year, like consistently, giving them consistent minutes. And so losing Jalen Clark, who's your best defender and your second leading scorer, is obviously um, a big punch to the gut there. And then, you know, with Adam Bona hobbled, now you're looking at like four guys that you really trust to get the job done. Now, granted, those four guys are probably more talented than pretty much any other team's top four guys. So uh, that will probably help them out a lot. But um, I, I do think it hurts UCLA. Like, I agree with you. I would have said I love UCLA as a title contender before they got hit with these injuries. And now I'm like, not so sure. <laughs> yeah, it's t- I love Mick Cronin, too. Mm-hmm. Um, even going back to his Cincinnati days, like he, Mick Cronin was just such a fun coach to root for. So um, I, I'm excited for that UCLA team, but we'll see. Um, so we are, we're in the business of sports content, right? We got to make some predictions. Um, but let's start with the biggest upset that you have in your bracket this year. 
You got to stake your claim. You're like, hey, this one's happening. Which one you got? I got to stake my claim on one. That's that's what you're saying. All right, there's two. Yeah. There's two that I'm I'm very strongly considering right now. Again, like I haven't. It's a pretty bad time. I haven't like totally finished filling out my bracket. I haven't locked everything in, but at least the upsets that I'm pretty, I'm I'm kind of looking at sideways. Like I I can kind of see it. I know a lot of people are harping on on Furman over Virginia, but like I totally get it. This Furman team is really experienced. They have a really good offense. Jalen Slauson is is a baller. Um, and this Virginia team, as they showed in the ACC championship game, they really struggled to score, and they just lost you know Ben Ben Vanderplas to a season-ending hand injury. And he's a guy that adds another dynamic to that offense. And then, you know, he stretches the floor for them. He's a good presence in the front court. Um, but, you know, they don't have him now. And who do you really trust to be to be the bucket getter on this team? Obviously, the defense will be there. But through 10 minutes against Duke, they had seven points, <laughs> which is just not the type of team that's going to, you know, light anything up to, to go on a big run in the tournament as good as Tony Bennett is as a head coach. But... I see the vision with Furman, and this is a team that I think a lot of people wanted to see in the tournament last year. Now they're finally there. I think they, they could definitely get the job done. Another one, I mean, we talked about Tennessee and kind of why we're a little concerned about Tennessee, and I think this Louisiana Raging Cajuns team could could make some noise. There There is a, a double-digit seed that I don't see a whole lot of people talking about, to be honest, but getting out of the Sun Belt is, is no easy task. There are some very good teams in that conference, so... Um, given, you know, the injuries to Tennessee, I think Louisiana could make something happen here. I, I love those picks. The Furman, they were the ones that lost to Chattanooga on just like a heartbreaking buzzer beater last year, yeah. wasn't that? Yeah. That Dude, that's, I, like to lose on a heartbreaker like that before you even get to the tournament, it's tough. Mm -hmm. um, but those, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll definitely have to keep our eye on those games. Really excited for those. Um, I know you haven't filled your bracket out yet, so this might change for those of you who are a fan of the Jim Arrange podcast. All right, don't take his word into law, but I'm going to make him do it because he's on my show, and I I'm, I have to force his hand. You have to pick a final four. All right, give it to me. What do you got? All right, so out of the South region, I, I do like Alabama right now. I think they just have a really favorable path. I'm not sure that there's any other team in the South region, like to, the thing is to beat Alabama, you need to either have an offense that can be more productive than them, which we haven't really seen any teams that can do that consistently. Um, I mean, there's the one game where Gonzaga beat them, but to do that, they had to score a hundred points in regulation. And there's just, yeah, Gonzaga is one of the, yeah, like nobody else is going to do that is the thing. And then you need that, and then you you need a defense that can kind of run them off the perimeter because the other games where Alabama has kind of struggled are games where they shoot 17% from three. But those games have been few and far between, so you need a really unique combination of offense and defense to take them out, and I don't know that any team in this region really has that. Like, San Diego State has the defense to slow them down, but they're not going to score enough. Like, are they going to score 65 against Alabama? I really don't know. Um Arizona can hang with them offensively, but defensively I have concerns about, about Arizona. So I like Bama to get out, out of the South. Um, the East is really a toss-up for me. I see good arguments for... I see good arguments for Marquette. Like, I like the bottom half of the bracket for them. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised. Their defense has been a little suspect... Uh, throughout this season, so I wouldn't be shocked if they lost before then. I think Duke has a favorable draw 
with the way they've been playing, they would be a good pick. Sleeper pick for the Final Four. If you want one out of the East, I think Memphis could go on a run to the Final Four. Hypothetically. Um, I think they match up really well against Purdue. They do a lot of things that, like, basically every single thing that Purdue has struggled with this year, Memphis does those things. (laughs) So it's a good, you know, it's a good matchup for Memphis, not a great one for Purdue. Um, And then once they get, if they get past Purdue, like, it kind of opens up for them a lot, especially if, like, Oral Roberts can take out Duke. Like, mm-hmm. there, there could be a lot of chaos that contributes to that, but if you want a sleeper pick, that's probably a good one. Um, Midwest, I think it I think it comes down to, to Houston and Texas, and I think the way that Texas has been playing is kind of hard to deny. They did win the Big 12 championship. Um, I think the one, like, thing that... I, my one hold up on Texas is the fact that Rodney Terry is... He doesn't really have any tournament experience as a head coach, um, but also, I mean, the Big Twelve is the ultimate like the ultimate test, and he's he's yeah. passed flying <laughs> colors. So, um, I, I like Texas. I like Texas to get out of the Midwest, and then out of the West. That the West is so brutal. It's going to be so hard to pick a team. I'm going to take. I have such a hard time believing Kansas gets out of this without taking a loss. I think I might take UConn honestly out of the West. I, I've harped on this UConn team a lot this year. I think they have the talent, absolutely. Um, the one question with them is, like, do they have – they don't have a, a Kemba Walker or a Shabazz Napier. They don't have this, like, great lead guard playmaker type that has gotten them there in previous years. But we talked about the, this region and how I think there's a lot of potential for upsets. And UConn is definitely a team that I think can, can get out of the region if, if some of those upsets happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, a, a lot of chaos. I'll I'll give mine real quick. I, Alabama, for all the reasons you said, um, yeah. I, I think it's pretty straightforward. Um, I do like – I'm going to take Duke. Um, just if they can win that matchup against, you know, if they end up with a Memphis or a Purdue, mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll take Duke as a, a little bit lower seed to make the Final Four. Um, Marcus Sasser is the big question mark for me. If, yeah. if he's going to be healthy and play for – Houston, I think I like them over Texas, um, so I'm going to stick with Houston there. And then I like Gonzaga. Um, I, okay. just, I don't think they're talked about enough. Mark Few, people are going to talk about, like, how has Mark Few gone to the Final Four as many times as he had and not won a national championship? Yeah. And we'll see. But yeah. um, I'm going to take Gonzaga. So I, I like the Gonzaga uh, pick. I do. So – we got. We made the final four. Who's your champion? You got to pit the Jimmer Range Pod early prediction uh, for for the national champion is. I really, I hate to say it. Like I don't want, I don't want to pick this team, but it. I think it's so wide open for Alabama to get there. Like I don't think they'll really struggle a lot in their region. Um, they, I think we could see, like, this is kind of a take I've been rolling around in my head. I think we could see Brandon Miller. I think we could remember this this tournament the same way we remember, like, Carmelo Anthony carrying Syracuse to, to a tournament victory. That's a, that's a good pull. Uh, I, think, I think we could remember this in much the same way. Like, Brandon Miller, he, he's phenomenal. Like, it's, it's, he's just so hard to stop. He's going to be a top 10 pick, probably a top 5 pick in the NBA draft. Um, so, I mean, the parallels continue there, but, and also they have like the way that they've responded to all of the drama, like there's some teams that, that, that happens to them and they just like, and they roll over and die. Yeah. Like, but the, I mean, this Alabama team, they've, 
I think they've responded pretty well. Like they, they, you know, they struggled with a couple teams toward the end of the season. So maybe it did have a little bit of an impact, but I mean, the first game after all of that went down, Brandon Miller came out and scored 40. So, so he's the type of guy who can take over a game. Crazy. So, um, love that pick. Don't hate it at all. Um, that'll probably be my pick on my brackets. However, just for the sake of the argument, I'm going to pick somebody else. Uh, give me Houston, the, the full circle. Jim Nance gives his tie to his senior on that Houston team. Yes. Kelvin Sampson gets a gets a ring, and you have a Houston team winning a Final Four in the city. I I love the the storyline behind that. So yeah, that that's what I'm gonna go with. Mm-hmm. But um, Carl, I appreciate you coming on. If you guys enjoy any sort of college basketball content at all, and I mean literally anything and everything, Carl has it for you. Um, go follow the Jim Arrange pod that you guys are phenomenal. Um, it's Jim Arrange pod. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts um, at Jim Arrange pod on TikTok. Make sure to go give them a follow. And if you guys like my stuff, like subscribe, but more importantly, uh, the best thing that you guys can do is share it with a friend. I appreciate you guys. And we will see you in the next. One.